0: And if you have a blue pew Bible in front of you, it's page 1,164. We will continue on through Philippians. um, And I'm actually going to read just a bit longer than what we have in your bulletin. So let's hear God's word. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to our great God in prayer. Father, as we come before your throne of grace, Lord, we praise you for who you are, for what you've done. Lord, as we read about the Apostle Paul, our brother in the faith, who who was passionate, Lord Jesus, about knowing you, but also making you known. Lord, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, just renew that in our hearts, Lord, that we would see that you are a good God, that you are a God who can be trusted in all things. Lord, we love you, we praise you. Be with us this day and let us leave here seeking to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, As we began Philippians, one of the things I said is one of the things or, or one of the ways we can think about this letter is to say further up and further out. Meaning the Apostle Paul here. Wants to know Jesus Christ more fully in every area of his life. He wants to go further up in knowing Christ more. But he also wants to go further out in making Christ known to those who don't know him. And so what we're going to see today is part of the further out. Paul seeking to make the gospel known. Paul seeking to make the gospel known. And one of the things, as we talked about last week, Paul's prayer for these believers, our prayer for one another, his life mission was at the end of verse eleven, that to bring glory and praise to God. That was his life mission. And so, picture the scene with me here. You have Paul in prison. He's in prison. He's waiting to stand trial, probably in Rome. The church has heard this, the church in Philippi. His beloved friends who years and years ago he met as he came on his second missionary journey. He's planted a church there. They're a thriving community with problems and headbutting going on and growth and, and, and things like that. We're going to get into some of this as we go through the letter. But, but as they're growing, and they, they hear that Paul is in prison. And so they send one of their own, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, who's, who's named after uh, the pagan god. But he's become a Christian. They send Epaphroditus to check on Paul. So he goes and he, and he carries with him some support, maybe some, some financial support. So what would happen was, when you were in jail, uh, they, wouldn't take, they, wouldn't feed you, they wouldn't give you a cot and feed you three a day. It was up to your family members or friends to provide food for you and those sorts of things. So they sent Epaphroditus to go help Paul. And Paul sends back a letter. So so imagine with me the scene. They've waited to hear how their beloved apostle is. And they get word that, did you hear? Did you hear? Epaphroditus is back. Epaphroditus is back and he's got a letter from Paul. So, so, I imagine the buzz going around for the week. And, and as they gathered together on the Lord's Day, whether it was in the morning, Sunday, or in the afternoon, I don't know. Maybe it was even a different day. But they gathered together, and I, I know they were excited because they believed that what the Apostle Paul was giving them was God's Word. And, and they wanted to find out how he was. And so what excitement must have been buzzing around the church? Did you hear, we're going to get together and somebody's going to read Paul's letter to us? Because that's what would generally happen when they gathered together. They would come with songs and hymns and spiritual songs that they would sing praises to the Lord together. And uh, they would have elders in the church, another name from pastors who would uh, deliver sermons and things like that. But at this time they were reading letters from the apostles so, I just imagine the buzz of saying, well, how's Paul doing? What instructions is he going to give us? How is he going to tell us to follow Christ more fully? I can't wait to get together. So here they are, gathered together, probably, possibly, in Lydia's home. She was a wealthy businesswoman we heard about from Acts 16. The first one Paul was introduced to at a prayer meeting who the Lord, it says, opened her heart. She trusted Jesus. We know she was wealthy because she was a seller of purple. And it says Paul went back to her house. So I imagine the church may have continued to meet in her house. In her house. And so they gather together and they've just begun to read Paul's letter to them. And so they see what we've seen over the last couple weeks, how, how Paul sends his greetings and grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. And how their, their hearts are probably warmed as they hear that Paul constantly, regularly remembers them in his prayers. And, and I, I would imagine their hearts leapt when they heard that, that Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And and as we saw last week, they heard Paul saying he's praying that their love would abound more and more. And now we get to Paul talking about some personal things with him. They know he's in prison. And here's what he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So he's saying, hey, brothers and sisters. I know you're worried about me, but let me tell you something. That what has happened to me has actually served for the gospel to go to more people. Paul begins, he's in prison, and he begins with exciting news. He's probably chained to a Roman soldier 24-7. 24-7, and what is he doing? He's rejoicing. If I wrote this letter. It wouldn't be this. It would be, you wouldn't believe the conditions here. And maybe, maybe... I'll be honest, a time of confession here. Maybe it would be a little bit of a humble brag. Do you know that new kind of term where, oh, gosh, I've got, I've got so much to do today. You wouldn't believe how busy I am. I just can't. You know, you, know, you kind of you veil so, some bragging in humility. You know, oh, people just need me. And, oh, right, aren't we all guilty of this? If you have Facebook, I'm sure you probably are. But um, You you know, this wouldn't be how I would write the letter. Paul's saying, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because the gospel is advancing. And listen to what he says. He says, I want you to know, brothers brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul is saying, listen. This, this term here. So, so these believers as they gathered together. And they heard imperial guard. What they heard was the thousands upon thousands. As little as 9,000. And going up. When we think about the uh, imperial guard. That was Caesar's special best and brightest soldiers. So, so they were connected with Caesar. And Paul said listen. Listen. I, the gospel is going for, forth throughout the whole imperial guard because they know my imprisonment is for Christ. My imprisonment is for Christ. And I just imagine this scene when this is being read out loud the Philippian jailer, maybe nudging his wife or whoever's sitting beside him, maybe laughing out loud. You know, maybe if he's a little bit excitable, maybe a little bit of an amen. Because if you remember from Acts 16, Paul was with this Philippian jailer. Remember that story? And there's an earthquake and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And it says he and his whole household were baptized. So he becomes a follower of Christ. I would imagine he just smiled when this was read. When Paul said, hey, because of my chains, the whole imperial guard and all the rest know that I'm here for Christ. And he's probably thinking, yeah, I remember that. I remember you and Silas singing psalms and and singing praises to God while you were in prison. I mean, imagine what they must have regularly seen in prison. Probably nothing too pretty. And then you have this guy who's been in prison. He's singing. He's singing songs. He's giving praise to God. I had to have left an impression. And what Paul's saying is because of his imprisonment, it's leaving an impression on the whole imperial guard. And what I love and what we're going to see at the end of this book when Paul sends his final farewell, he says, and those from Caesar's household greet you in the faith. People, in, Now you got to understand, one of the common sayings of the day was Caesar is Lord. And, and so for someone to become a Christian... And to say that Jesus Christ was Lord was criminal. It was criminal. Caesar's Lord. And Paul says, no, he's not. Jesus is Lord. And he's in prison because of it. But here he is rejoicing. So again, I just imagine the scene with these believers gathered together, gathered together, hearing this. And he goes on to say, he says, and because of his imprisonment, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord by his imprisonment and are speaking the word more boldly and without fear. So Paul is saying, I'm rejoicing because I'm in prison. Caesar's household's finding out more about the real Lord, Jesus Christ. And also, brothers and sisters are becoming confident by my chains to preach the gospel. Is that not an amazing thing? I, I, we are just by nature, self-protective, right? And in, in some ways, that's a really good thing. And, and so you would think with Paul being in prison, the believers would say, let's go underground. Let's be quiet about this. But, but something counterintuitively happens, something by the Holy Spirit happens that, that it, he puts it on the hearts of men and women, and they're much more bold to speak the word without fear, Paul said. The Lord's doing a work in using Paul's imprisonment so that the gospel could go forth. It's an amazing thing. But he also goes on to say that some believers, this is interesting. This this is such a puzzling uh, thing. Paul says, so some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. But others from goodwill, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not, sincere, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So Paul's saying there's two groups of believers preaching Christ. Some who do it out of love and goodwill, and some who want to bring harm to Paul. That's weird. Right? So, so Paul's saying out of jealousy and rivalry, I just got to tell you, pastors get jealous of one another. It's like, oh, you have, you have how many people come to your church? Oh, man. This is going on? Oh, man. But Paul is saying that there are some believers, some believers who are jealous of Paul. Now, you got to imagine, here's Paul. He's got this growing ministry. He's... he's preaching the gospel, he's planting churches, so some other believers are looking at that and saying, well, I want a platform like Paul's. I, I want to I have as many people, I want to plant as many churches as Paul's. But what Paul says is, you know what, there's some people who are doing this from wrong motives, however their message is right. They're pointing people to Jesus Christ. Now what we're going to see is that Paul gets very upset. He starts calling names of people who start distorting the gospel. People people who start changing the gospel and adding works to it. Paul, later we're going to see, calls them dogs. And, And Paul gets very passionate when the gospel of Jesus Christ is distorted. But, but whatever's going on here. Is you have a group of believers who are jealous of Paul's platform. Yet they're still preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And what does Paul say? Instead of saying those punks. I can't believe them. Instead of backstabbing them. He says I rejoice. Because it ain't about me. It's about him. And I rejoice because Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. So Paul He does not care what else is going on as long as Christ is being preached. It's amazing. So so again, I just imagine this church gathered together hearing this and saying, that's our guy. (laughs) Could you believe him? And and let me say this too. What we can do as we read these passages about Paul is we can tend to think he's a superhuman. And the Lord did use him in mighty ways. But do you know how Paul refers to himself? As the chief of all sinners, Paul recognized himself to be a sinner. This is God's work, supernatural work in his life that he could be imprisoned, he could be beaten, he could be shipwrecked, he could be stoned numerous times, and he could still say, "I'm rejoicing." I mean, you can't. We're going to see next week. I mean, Paul. Paul's like, whether you kill me, whether I'm alive, it doesn't matter. As long as Christ is proclaimed, I mean, this guy must have been aggravating. For Caesar and his household. It doesn't matter what you do to him. He's rejoicing. Oh, we'll put, well put him in prison. Put that soldier with him, you know, the, the really gruff one. Paul says, I'll rejoice. Try to kill him, beat him. Still rejoicing. Christ is being proclaimed. And so, what are, what are the big ideas? Two things I want us to think about as we think about this passage for us one, the advancement of the gospel, the good news. Again, notice that Paul is rejoicing, even in the midst of, of bad circumstances that the gospel's rejo- the gospel's pr- progressing and advancing. It's being proclaimed, and that's what he cares about, the good news of Jesus. Even over against his well-being, he's willing to say, "You know what? I'm in prison. I, prison." is now and especially then wasn't a fun place to be and here he is saying he's in prison because he's been proclaiming christ and he says you know what this is a bad thing that's happened but ultimately god is using it for good because more people are coming and entering the kingdom coming to know jesus christ as lord and savior and and so we as a church and as individuals we need to see how this is just such a part of what Jesus Christ has called us to as individuals and as a church. And we need to ask how we, as individuals and as a church, can, can advance the gospel, the good news in our area. But not just our area. In our country. But not just our country. Around the world. We need to think about ways we can do this. And, and to that end... We've got a young man coming at the end of the month to talk about campus ministry at UConn and talk about um, the gospel going forth amongst amongst college students. We've got Ruth who's going to bring her international students. It's interesting. God tells us to to go and make disciples of all nations, and and Ruth and John's ministry, she's got, and they've got the nations coming to them. And she's going to share with us later uh, about. What's going on there and how the good news is spreading. So we can ask ourselves as individuals, how can we, do we have someone we need to share this with? Because truthfully, Jesus Christ has offered us rest and forgiveness and reconciliation with God. This doesn't mean you have to be a trained preacher to do this. I love the stories about the demoniac who Jesus healed. He, he, was, he was a crazy man. He was in the tombs. He cut himself. He broke his chains. He was filled with evil spirits. Jesus cast him out, and he said to Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus said, no. You stay here. Tell people what the Lord's done for you. I think about last week, we talked about the Samaritan woman. I've this week been talking to my kids about that story and, and how Jesus loved her even though she was a sinner. He loved her. And what happened? What happened? She runs back to her village and revival breaks out. Why? Not because she was a theologian. Not because she knew her Bible. I'm sure she still went back with all those confusing questions she still had. But what she did was went back and told people, let me tell you about the prophet, about the Messiah. Let me tell you the good news. Let me tell you how he's forgiven me. And so we can ask ourselves as individuals, who do we have in our life who who needs to hear the good news? Because I know for a fact that many of us here can, can get weary and down. But I know we've got people in our lives who are weary and are hurting and need to hear of the love, forgiveness, and grace of Jesus Christ. So let's ask ourselves, let's start asking ourselves that daily and weekly. Who can we share the love of Christ with in word and deed? Who can we share the gospel with, the message that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead? Who can we share that with? Who as a church can we partner together with and, and say, yes, we love how you're, you're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth or, or, or to the ends of the campus at UConn or, or, or out here uh, you know, helping people who are struggling with addictions and, and you're bringing the gospel to bear on those things. How can we do that? This is what Paul was about. As he pursued Christ, he asked, how can we go further out? How can we take this good news? Because again, if we had the cure for cancer and we kept it to ourselves, why would we do that we 've got something even greater we 've got the cure we 've got the cure for brokenness with God, and we can share it. Lastly, I think we all need to hear this here, and I think we need to hear it more than just today. We need to remind ourselves of this regularly. Paul trusted in God no matter what the circumstances. Paul had a trust and a faith that the Lord had. This Paul Paul was raised as a good little Jewish boy who knew the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament stories. He became a Pharisee, and, and their Bible knowledge would put us all to shame. He knew the stories. He knew the story of Joseph. So as Paul's sitting in prison, I would imagine this rolled around in his head. Genesis 37 to 15. I mean 50. He knew the story of Joseph and how his brothers wanted to kill him, but, but they decided to sell him into slavery instead. And how he was wrongfully imprisoned for, for 13 years and more. And how he essentially became the prime minister of Egypt because he had interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh. And how God gave him a vision about a drought coming, seven years of famine, and He, by God's grace, had planned to store food, and how He saved not only the Egyptians but many other nations. how He was wrongfully imprisoned, and his brothers come before him at the end of the, the book of Genesis, and, and they're scared because they think Joseph is going to kill them. you know? That was probably a pretty good thought. And what Joseph does is he forgives them and he says, What you meant for evil, God intended for good. So, so I think of Paul in prison. What, what they meant for evil, God is using it for good. God is using it for good. and so, so, so then Paul would have thought about how ultimately God shows us how he turns the tables on evil with Jesus Christ. How evil men, Peter said in the first Christian sermon in Acts, how Peter said evil men planned, planned and and, and crucified Jesus Christ. But the greatest good came from the greatest evil done. God turned the tables on them and Jesus Christ got up from the grave and rose from the dead. The greatest evil ever In the history of the world, the Son of God, the only innocent one, was killed and murdered. And what did God do? God used that evil to save a multitude of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation for all time. I think Paul was thinking these things. And I think Paul, who wrote... God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you understand that? Paul could, could look past his circumstances and see, wow, God meant this for good. He's saying it right here. But I will say this. I don't think in this life we'll always see how it was meant for good. But, but Paul tells us in Romans 8, That all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This doesn't mean all things work together for good for everyone. This means for those who have trusted Christ because their God, God is their father. And he promises all things work together for good. That's the good and the bad. So if you're here today, I don't know what you've done, what's been done to you. I don't know that, and I don't have to know that, but I do know that if you've trusted Christ, you are his, and he will use it for good. So no matter the circumstances, like the Apostle Paul, we have a God we can trust who will bring good out of the worst situations. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are a God who is in control of all things. Lord. We are amazed by the reality that you can work all things together for good. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as a church, as individuals. Lord, give us a passion. Give us a heart for the advancement of your gospel, for the advancement of your kingdom, God. Lord, I pray in the midst of hard situations, Lord, and we won't deny that there are hard and tragic situations, Lord, but you tell us you will work them for good. And so, Lord, let us be a people who trust that. And even in the midst of circumstances that are often unbearable, Lord, give us the strength, give us the faith to trust that you have this, that you will bring good out of it. Because we see how you did that with your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I love this.